same old place that you laughed about Well, the names have all changed since you hung around But those dreams have remained and they've turned around Who'd have thought they'd lead ya? To the Football Goonies Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Seplick. With you as always, you can find me on Twitter at the FF Goonie. On today's episode, we have the Week 5 Review. And, of course, as always, the Week 6 Preview, where I tell you what is going to happen in the most factual and accurate of ways. But before we get into the show, let's hit you with the weekend news. Hilton and Jack Doyle remaining sideline and week to week. It looks like yours truly and everyone else relying on T.Y. Hilton is probably going to have to wait at least one more week. Uh, news on running back for Jacksonville Jaguars, Leonard Fournette. It sounds like they're going to probably hold him out until week 10, getting him through the nine, week 9 bye. Uh, Evan Ingram of the New York Giants has been officially ruled out tonight. If you were planning on a savior performance from him, look elsewhere. J.I.J.I., running back of the Eagles, has been sent to IR for an MCL tear that he suffered last uh, week. And this opens the door up for Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood for an expanded role. Plus, there's been some uh, rumblings in the bushes that the Eagles might be making a move for LaShawn McCoy. This begs the question, why has no one called Orleans Darkwa yet? You know why? Because Jacksonville, they called Jamal Charles. Crazy. Speaking of running backs... Marlon Mack is no longer no longer limited in practice and sounds like he may suit up this weekend thus ending the uh, assure the assurity that you can start Naheem Hines as the backfield is now getting muddier and muddier over in Texans news Deshaun Watson's getting limited uh Work this week with a uh, chest injury from last week. I uh, don't think he's going to miss any time. The only one that we're still really worried about in Texans camp is going to be Will Fuller. Uh, I do expect him to be active, but maybe in a limited role uh, as he was last week. Uh, speaking of useless Texans, we have Lamar Miller getting a limited ex- uh, session in, and I think he's actually going to contribute this week and not just be active in Sunday's game, thus making Alfred Blue even more useless. 
Over at Falcons camp, Devonta Freeman is dealing with a new foot bruise. This is not related to his last bone bruise and could cost him the week. So if you're looking to cash in on Devonta Freeman this week like me, you better make other plans. Uh, the only plan I don't want to make is Tevin Coleman. I'm sure he'll finally perform because I'm counting him out, but he has been disappointing up till now. Over at Vikings camp, we have Dalvin Cook getting in a full practice today. It looks like he's going to be a go, and maybe he gets a little more work than he did last week, but I'm still not loving that Vikings run offense. The run offense that I've surprisingly been loving is San Francisco. Although Matt Breda did have a mid-ankle sprain, uh, looks like he might actually play Monday night. The problem is with the Monday night game, you're probably not going to count on that. The only person counting on a Niners running back that's not named Alfred Morris would be Brian Brodsky as he's seriously considering starting Kyle Juszczyk in a dynasty league. And sentiment on the chat has been, how is your team able to start Kyle Juszczyk? That is a good question. Answers to come. Over in Baltimore, Hayden Hurst is uh, getting talked up by Morning Morningwig, and it sounds like he might actually play this week. Begging the question if he was a wasted pick as an old-ass tight end. Over in Los Angeles, we have Rams receivers both trying to beat the concussion protocol. Both Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks are getting limited practices. Uh, it sounds like they're probably going to pass, but um, your guess is good as mine. And I would make plans to be able to fill in for those spots in case one of them cannot go. A receiver that it sounds like he's going to be good to go is Marquise Goodwin getting in a full practice over in San Francisco while Pierre Garçon is missing practice. Uh, their game's not till Monday, and I doubt anyone's really counting on Pierre Garçon, but uh, it's going to be one of those you might want to make other plans just in case. Over on the other plans just in case, uh, we've got a little worry with Tennessee Titans running backs as Taylor Lewan is still questionable, although he did show up to practice today, and if he were to miss, that would actually be a pretty big hit against that Baltimore front. Uh, someone that is getting no hits, Rashad Penny, offensive coordinator for the Seahawks, old curmudgeon Brian Schottenheimer said the team is not going to force Rashad Penny into the running back rotation. Apparently, first round doesn't mean crap when the coaching staff did not agree with the front office in the uh, drafting of the player. Over in Washington, good news for running back hopefuls on Adrian Peterson as he's probably useless but back at practice. So anyone that was counting on maybe a sneaky pickup of Capri Bibbs might have to wait because although Chris Thompson's not active, I doubt Capri gets enough work in the passing game to make him worthwhile. Uh, myself, I'm pretty excited for a 
Return to practice from Geronimo Allison clearing the concussion protocol. Not for this league, but I really need the help. So it sounds like you can fire him up. And the big question is Randall Cobb on the Packers. Uh, he's back at practice. There's a chance that he goes, which would ruin the waiver wire darling Valdez Scantling's uh, value Sorry, uh, for this week. So... He's a good stash as both those receivers have been difficult to keep healthy and could potentially uh, open up the door for him later in the season. Isaiah Crow, running back of the Jets, did not practice Thursday, and this is his second missed practice in a row, which is a little scary as the Colts are the next up. For Jets opponents, this would create a huge workload for Blail Powell, who I just traded to Frenchie for a backup quarterback because I needed to shore up that, and Blail Powell was useless past the season. Good job on me for giving him a starter. And final injury notice is Anthony Miller is upgraded to full and returning. And this might actually end up affecting Taylor Gabriel, anyone that's been counting on the fact that he is second on the Bears in targets and leading them in receptions, might have to scale down expectations. Although he's been great, they do love the uh, talented rookie receiver. And now into Dynasty League news. We had a couple trades this uh, past couple of, uh, or this past week. Uh, first off, we had I'm getting a chub doing a deal with some TDs, trading away Dante Pettis for Jimmy Graham. Uh, Pettis has been unable to get on the field, but still has a decently bright future as a slot receiver for Jimmy Handsome, where uh, TDs giving up Jimmy Graham, probably only useful this year and still tight touchdown dependent. Uh, in a win-now scenario, Jimmy Graham is a much more useful piece, but is uh, a good price to pay for the potential that Dante Pettis gives you in the future. So uh, I like in a vacuum, I like the Pettis side better, but I mean, obviously, if you need tight end help, Jimmy Graham is great, uh, considering what you can Next up, yours truly, the Puppet Master, has made two separate deals, one related to the other. The first was Mr. Ryan Tannehill and Kenyon Drake, both Miami disappointments, going over to some TDs for Big Ben Roethlisberger. That's right, I now have a somewhat decent number two quarterback until Dak Prescott finally gets a number one receiver again. Uh, I mean, this is a decent move getting a quarterback that you can still use, although, honestly, even though Ryan Tannehill is young compared to Big Ben, they might actually have the same shelf life for uh, startability in the NFL. Uh, Kenyon Drake, I do love the talent. And I love him going forward if they get rid of Adam Gase. The problem is I was not willing to take the chance that in the next year or two they get Adam Gase out of there. 
And on top of that, who knows what the new coaching staff will do with Kenyon Drake. So it's a little too much risk, and I'm in a more win now than anything. So I figured Big Ben this year and probably next year before I need to replace him. Um, that works out fine for me. And then just to secure the future a little bit, I sent old, as I said before, Bilal Powell to Frenchies with a third round 2020 for Mason Rudolph. Now, I know Mason Rudolph is not the current backup to Big Ben, but he is the only quarterback that they actually view a future with. I'm not saying he's a guaranteed starter after Big Ben, but I needed to take that shot. And as Bilal Powell was a throwaway waiver wire pickup, I'm okay with that. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about the move was giving up Bilal Powell after giving up Kenyon Drake is a little tough as I'm giving up two running backs and not getting a single one back. But I had quite enough depth and the future of Le'Veon Bell leaving the Steelers it meant that next year I will be just fine having four starting running backs, potentially five, um, on my team. So I was totally fine with that, although it's probably closer to four because Jordan Wilkins is not turned. He's good, but the team just can't use him the way they need to. Uh, his yards per carry. As far as Frenchies, he's been in a big hole and losing uh, just the amount of running backs he has. He kind of needed to make a move, and that was minimal cost to give up below Powell and uh, or to get below Powell. So I don't blame him for that. Plus the third, uh, it's better than nothing. So good move on his end. And then finally, we had I'm getting a chub to the Americans trade and that was Jarvis Landry and Kiki Kuti going for Tyreek Hill. Uh, I mean, what can I say? Tyreek Hill is better than Landry, but in a year or two, they could honestly be pretty even as Tyreek is clearly not the only weapon. And the more that Sammy Watkins is there and learns the offense, and the more they get comfortable with everything, like his slice of the pie might go down, although his efficiency is great. Uh, Landry has nowhere to go but up. Um, just not even getting a, a full year of practice with uh, Baker Mayfield as the uh, the start or the whole offseason, he was working with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I think he, his, uh, his needle is pointing up, and then Kiki has just been an amazing weapon out of the slot. So um, I love both sides of the trade, actually, but uh, we need to have a little PSA as I'm getting a chub. Clay, I'm talking to you directly. You have a problem, sir. Uh, I, in fact, wrote a note here uh, for him. Let me get it out. Okay, it says, Clay, you have a trading problem. I don't know why you insist on trading so constantly. There seems to be no thought or reason behind them, and it just seems like you're just trading to trade. I mean, you're hurting your friends. You think this is a, a victimless crime as your team is the only one affected, but it's not. I mean, you've traded away stalwarts at the wide receiver and running back position, thus strengthening the running back cores and wide receiver cores of our opposition. Did I ever think in a dynasty 
that started this year, I would see Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott on the same team? No. Did I ever think that a receiver core on one team would comprise of the first, second, seventh, and, or sorry, fifth and eighth receivers in a league? No. But the only reason that happened was because the team got two of those receivers from you. You're hurting your friends and quite possibly your family. And I just wanted to confront you and say, no more. You have a problem, sir, and you need to get help. Thank you. And over on the Keeper League, we had Derrick Henry, Keenan Allen, and Tevin Coleman of the SC Honkers traded to Carpe Victoria for Alshon Jeffrey, Evan Ingram, and Kenya. Sorry, Kenyon Drake. Uh, man, I mean, I don't know how to feel about this one. That's uh, quite the set of moves, uh, but totally understandable. Although Tevin Coleman is still the starter while um, while Freeman is out, uh, the fact that Honkers running backs were him as a starter, I can understand why he would want to target someone, and Drake is the obvious target. Uh, I didn't really understand it, though, as we moved to a... Um, as we moved to a uh, different set of keeper... Uh, rules he's basically kind of farmed the team for this year and his team's not that strong because Alshon Jeffrey is not quite the keeper that Keenan Allen is uh, I understand diversifying away from Melvin Gordon but uh, outside of now Alshon and Sterling Shepard I guess uh, Evan Ingram's probably gonna end up being the keeper maybe Kiki uh, it just didn't seem like a smart move sending away the, the quality of what Keenan Allen and Tevin Coleman might be in the keeper market next year uh, for what seemed like a win-now move. Um, I did like the move for Carpe Victoria. I mean, he upgraded his, um, his wide receiver core with Keenan Allen. Uh, his running back core was already suspect to begin with, and I don't think the Kenyon Drake is going to stabilize it, so he got more pieces with Swing for the Fences as he's now sitting with Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Tevin Coleman, Hines, and Chris Thompson waiting for Le'Veon Bell to come back. So uh, I did like that move for him, and he upgraded his receiver core because even though Keenan Allen's not been doing great, he is still a step above Alshon Jeffrey. And he's got Greg Olson back now, and Evan Ingram's still a question mark. And although he had one good game, uh, there's still some moves on the waiver that could be made if Greg Olson gets hurt. I like this move overall more for Carpe Victoria. Uh, in a vacuum, I think it's pretty even. But uh, considering the keepers and what each team's playing for, I liked the move better for him than uh, the SC Honkers. And thus concludes the Week in News. All 
next we got week five review. Weekly review. Starting off with the Keeper League Atlanta Foot Clan. First matchup, we had the Megalodons versus SC Honkers. I picked the Honkers to win, and when they did, with the score of 100.7 to 96.3. Uh, first up, we had Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton. Both pretty even. Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt, although Gordon did a little better. Uh, considering the matchup, I think Kareem Hunt actually did pretty well compared. Uh, I think what hurt him was on Johnson, although he outscored Derrick Henry. That could have been better had he not been injured and, you know, LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, over on the receivers was the big disappointment as Julio Jones, John Brown, and Calvin Ridley all hit single-digit numbers. Whereas on the other side, you had Keenan Allen and Emmanuel Sanders both hitting double digits and Sterling Shepard getting 9.5 right there at the 10-point mark. Uh, other than that, the Panthers tried to do what they could for Brian, and although Austin Safarian Jenkins uh, went to IR and put up a gooser of a performance, it still wasn't enough getting edged out by 4.4 points. And there was nothing on the bench that could have been done differently. So good effort, but ugh, my goodness, that was a rough one. SC Honkers on top. Up next, we had the great one versus Finkel is Einhorn. I grabbed the great one for the win, and he did not disappoint, posting up the highest score of the week of 146 to one, Finkel is Einhorn's 103.9. I mean, you really don't have much of a chance when the opposing quarterback puts up 33 points to yours, 19. JHI gets hurt and only gives you 1.9, and pretty much there was a no clunker day for his entire team. In fact, the great one's only bad play was Justin Tucker, greatest kicker and opera singer alive, getting single digits and the only single digit score of the whole team. Mixon went ham. Zeke had a moderately not great day, but still put up 11.9 points. Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay both hitting that 17 mark. I mean, what could you do? Although TJ Yeldon put up 22, Zach Ertz another 22, and Cooper Cup throwing an 18, the rest of the team was awful. Philip Lindsay finally showing you that he can't do it every week. Although he did give a good performance for the amount of touches he got, it's the amount of touches he got. That that system is not able to sustain two running backs. And in games like this, it's just not going to work out. D.E. Westbrook was highly disappointing. And I don't know what you thought doing the Colts. I guess you just didn't want to let go of that Colts D or you're trying to be contrarian. Uh, but this isn't daily fantasy football. So maybe next time pick a better defense. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? 
Next up, we had Scranton Stranglers versus Popeye's Sailor Men. And this one was a, a good, well-fought match. But my pick, Popeye's Sailor Men, came out on top. Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers going pound for pound in the 30-plus range was amazing. Heck, David Johnson outscored Sony Michelle, which was fantastic. But you can't stop Todd Gurley when he gets three touchdowns to blow Powell's single-digit numbers. OBJ had a huge game, but so did Adam Thielen. And although Doug Baldwin recorded one catch, and the fact that he actually had, what, three players at five points or less, it's amazing. But the fact is, Todd Gurley is what won the day. That and, you know, the Cardinals' defense putting up 20 points, while the Rams' vaunted defense put up one of the worst performances against a Seattle offense this year for any DST. Uh, it's a tough loss, though, when you leave Shady McCoy, Tyler Lockett, and Chris Carson on the bench. Uh, all would have probably been enough if you just played one or two different, but like the fact is you can't sit Tyler Boyd for them. Unfortunately, uh, with that matchup in Miami, the way it was supposed to go with Xavier uh, Howard shadowing A.J. Green, no one really expected it. And I mean, honestly, everyone expected a little more out of Michael Thomas. So uh, it was a tough beat. I don't really blame you for not getting the win, especially since I picked you to lose. So good job to Popeye Sailorman on their victory. Next up, we had Unger and France versus Carpe Victoria. And this is my first wrong pick of the week as I took Carpe Victoria to get back to their uh, winning ways from weeks one and two, but it just wasn't meant to be at a score of 112.9 to 92.1. Now, you had a uh, promising start for Carpe as they outscored uh, at the quarterback position by a good 12 points almost. Uh, but Chris Thompson getting hurt didn't really help. Uh, Naeem Hines didn't have quite the day you maybe would have expected. And James Conner went bananas against them, outscoring both of them by a wide margin. Everything from Carlos Hyde was just gravy at that point. And then A.J. Green coming through on the wide receiver along with Christian Kirk. An enlightened play sitting down Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, I mean, there were still points to be had with Isaiah Crowell not getting the play. No one blames you for doing that. Mike D Davis not getting it and Richard Higgins. But, I mean, the fact that you play Kirk over Fitzgerald, I probably would have done the same thing. But a lot of guys wouldn't just because of that name. And then on the opposition, you had Devin Funches and Golden Tate also disappointing. And pretty much outside of the quarterback and Naeem Hines, not a single double-digit play. Man, that's rough when you bench Demarius Thomas and he goes off for 19 points. And you don't play Austin Eckler in a similar Chris Thompson role and he goes off for 12.4. But the kicker is the new Amari Cooper at running back, Kenyon Drake, putting up a big 21 points in Cincinnati. Those are the reasons why you lost, sir. Are you ever not going to fall for that? That's right. Are you ever not going to fall for the move when Kenyon Drake is finally going to put up some points and not work for you? I guess not, because you traded him away. Good job to you on that, but sorry on the loss. 
Next up, we had Hot Noonan Butchers versus Brown and some Scrubs. And I took Brown and some Scrubs for the win, and man, did they make it a little closer than it needed to be. Matt Ryan did absolutely nothing, getting all about nine points less than Carson Wentz in Pittsburgh against that horrid pass defense. Oh my goodness, but... I mean, you still ended up with big games out of Christian McCaffrey, Antonio Brown, and Tyreek Hill had an okay game, and a big game from Jimmy Graham. That's what put him over the top. And it is a rough loss for Carpet. I mean, for, uh, sorry, for Hot Newton Butchers, as instead of Ty Montgomery, they could have played Wendell Smallwood. Uh, I don't think anyone really wanted to play Wendell Smallwood, and no one really expected the Ajayi performance to be as bad as it was but that would have gotten the win rough stuff sir but at least you got julian edelman back in our welcome back uh episode and the other disappointing one was the uh jared cook only putting up four points i mean he's the number one tight end right he's amazing right (laughs) no he is not He's finally going to be what he is, which is a disappointment. And then in the final matchup of the week, we had yours truly, Macho Man Frank Savage versus Turn Your Head and... (laughs) That was Pathetic Coughlin. In your matchup of the week, and I took Coughlin to win. And Coughlin pathetically let me down with a pair of goosers. That's all right. That's all right. I'm not that upset about it. In fact, Devontae Adams had a bigger game than I thought he would. Stephon Diggs had a slightly better game than I thought he would. But Kirk Cousins disappointed. Brandon Cooks disappointed with a head injury. And Ricky Seals-Jones Became the first tight end to do pretty much nothing against San Francisco, putting up a gooser himself. But the wonderful, wonderful win in this that I love more than anything is my welcome back presidential candidate of the year, Mark Ingram II, coming back to the tune of 20.3 points in our league and knocking knocking him down a peg in the most violent of crimes. Alvin Kamara only pulling in 5.4. But that's not where it stopped. I couldn't believe that I only got 16.3 points from Jared Goff this week, but it happened to be better than my opposing quarterback. A Saquon Barkley late touchdown really took this game over the top for me. And then Eric Ebron, I think we all could have expected this after the Thursday night game, as Eric Ebron just dropped 27 massive points being the highest scoring player in this entire game. That is nuts. Nuts. And not to mention, I left Matt Breda last minute out of the lineup for the safety of Marvin Jones against Green Bay because Marvin Jones usually balls out. I could have had an even bigger win. Oh, my God. And that was that was with T.Y. Hilton not playing, being injured. I mean, my goodness, finally, retribution, and welcome back to me, the the best fantasy player in this league, the original champion, as I've had to deal with the, the, the horrible injustice of losing my best player in the, the lottery every year, and 
having less draft picks in the first rounds than pretty much everyone in the league, but I am finally back with a vengeance, putting up the second highest point total, missing one of my better receivers. In fact, probably my best receiver. But you just can't keep a baller down, and now I'm in position to strike and just take you fools down. So kudos to me. Moving over to the Dynasty League, we had first up the Americans versus Fear the Juice. And I took Fear the Juice to win, and win they did not. As the Americans came in hot to the tune of 120.6 versus 102.8. Blake Bortles, Russell Wilson, Saquon Barkley, all fantastic plays. And the aforementioned Tyree Kill. Fantastic. Not to mention, left on 20-plusers, Isaiah Crowell and Traquan Smith on the bench. My goodness. Over on the other side, Drew Brees came through with a big performance, but Andy Dalton and Alvin Kamara both disappointed. Sony Michelle and Antonio Brown didn't, but my goodness, Will Fuller and Joku had a good game, but Deion Lewis, Broncos D against the Jets. Oh, this was just a veritable upset. Who would have thought leaving Case Keenum on the bench was a bad move, not to mention Demarius Thomas. In fact, those two plays would have, depending on who they replaced, actually, yeah, those two plays would have gotten you the win. So good job, idiot. For letting that one happen. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. You're not an idiot. You're not an idiot. Attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. You're a what slacker. You a fantasy slacker. That's all right. You'll get him next week. Next up, we have... Sorry, a little technical difficulties. No country for old players versus... I'm getting a chub in the collusion finals of the week. I took old country for no players, and they didn't disappoint me at least. Take notes, Mr. Juice. As Pat Mahomes wasn't even the strength. Sam Darnold was at quarterback, being the highest scoring quarterback in this whole matchup over Pat Mahomes and Matthew Stafford and Josh Rosen in San Francisco. Darnold was the least appealing prospect of this whole lineup, and my goodness, he came through and said, no, you don't, but that's all right, because you still had a chance. You had OBJ, big game from Jimmy Graham, Robert Woods, right? Oh, but the running backs, man, Aaron Jones, Latavius Murray, Edelman scoring single digits and sitting there with the Bears' defense on by. I think you were playing for the loss on this one between all the bye weeks and injuries you're dealing with and the fact that you were starting Josh Rosen. I don't blame you. Uh, other strong performances in this matchup included David Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Stefan Diggs, and Gronk finally hitting double digits again. That was nice to see. Plus the return of Joe Mixon. Welcome back, Joe Mixon. Hell of a game from you when they said you were going to be limited. So, uh, leaving some points on the table, not going with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, knowing that Geronimo Allison was out, Kiki Kuti, and Wendell Smallwood all would have been preferable plays that would have given you a chance to win. 
but I'm not really going to blame you. How are you going to sit down guys like Julian Edelman for him? Oh, wait, I would have. How are you going to sit down guys like Latavius Murray or 13-touch Aaron Jones for him? Oh, wait, that actually makes a little bit of sense. Just kidding. Don't worry about it. You'll get him next time, kiddo. Just trade away a couple more players, and uh, you might have less of a bye week issue. Next up, we have Team Gravelin versus This Means War. And again, disappointing me. I, it's like you guys don't listen to the podcast and take my advice. We have This Means War only come in with a measly 110.9 points to Team Gravelin's 132.4. Those huge numbers on the back of not drafted Adam Thielen. Not drafted Andrew Luck. Wow, those names sound familiar. Where did they come from? Oh, that's right. I've got a feeling woohoo who no longer exists. My goodness. My goodness. Huge games from both quarterbacks on the team. In fact, Alex Smith was the only disappointing quarterback in this one. And Melvin Gordon came out swinging. Swinging, but he had to go up against Todd Gurley and Zeke. Zeke was the big disappointment, as was Doug Baldwin putting up 0.6 points and Quincy Inunua putting up a goose egg. A goose egg. So this one having, I guess, having the number one, two, and five receiver lined up in your lineup is probably a good thing, huh? Someone should probably take note of that. He didn't even play Devontae Adams, who got 24-5 and outscored the rest of his receivers. It's crazy. It's crazy. And if only, if only Dan, instead of playing Alex Smith, had the foresight to play C.J. Beathard, uh, maybe Sammy Watkins in that uh, favorable matchup against Jacksonville instead of Doug Baldwin, and then maybe you had a shot. Ah, maybe, but no. You really didn't have a shot. There was really nothing you could do, but that's all right. You're still 3-2, and two, and maybe you don't drop to 500 next week. And up next, we had the 55s versus the Frenchies in my least likable team's bowl. That's right. This was the, uh, the pathetic bowl, if you will, of a score of 80.2 to 100.4. This was just sad Saxville across the board. Uh, true to nature, double digits for 55's quarterbacks. Uh, can't really expect anything different as if Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield was in there, that'd be fine. But you need more than quarterbacks in a 2QB league, my friend as everyone else was single digits, including a zero from Brandon. I can't keep my head on my body cooks. Uh, big disappointments that we did see coming was Corey Davis against that uh, number one corner in Buffalo. Didn't really expect a big game from him. Uh, the real surprising ones was Calvin Ridley and Jared Cook doing pretty much nothing. And then Brandon Cooks obviously got knocked out with injury. Who knows? He maybe could have had a 20.3 point game and you would have won, but not likely as this is only a half PPR. But that's all right. Old Frenchie here gave you a little bit of a chance trying to get Marcus Mariota in there for 4.2 and Royce Freeman for 6.2 and Kyle Rudolph only coming through with 6.6. But 
Injured Matt Breed has still got double digits. DeAndre Hopkins did DeAndre Hopkins things. And Keenan Allen finally started showing a little bit of life this year. And although Juju had his lowest targets of the year, he still got in for a touchdown and put up double digits. And those Chargers defense came through versus the Panthers one, who happened to score a touchdown. I really don't understand the justification for fantasy defense scoring, but congratulations to friend Cheeses as old uh, Brian here didn't play a better quarterback in Alfred Blue uh, instead at the flex with Cooks. I mean, like, there was no chance. I don't really expect him to win this one, and no one did as I took him. Oh, my goodness. This just in. I took the 55s after all the complaining from Brian for the win. And my goodness, the 55s let me down. I didn't even realize that. And I apologize on the last one. I did pick Team Graveling for the win, so way to go go win one for your fantasy gipper over here. Uh, and then the final matchup, the matchup of the week, the matchup that everyone really cared about, the unjustly treated Bill Belichick Puppet Masters versus Jones and Four. Some TDs was Jones in for another win as you guys just let him skate to a 4-0. And I said, no, no, sir, that is not how this works. You need to take the long way to success and uh, earn your dues in this league. And I taught him 1-4. Although I had the worst fantasy uh, performance out of the QBs, uh, it wasn't quite what I expected, actually, as I thought Matt Ryan would actually do something. So that was some good work for me because uh, without that, I might not have won. But uh, James White and TJ Yeldon did everything they could, but they couldn't keep up with Christian McCaffrey and James Conner. And then I guess maybe not scoring double digits on anyone else on your team other than the tight end might be an issue. As I got Kenny Galladay for 17-8. And the near double digits from my defense and Michael Thomas, where you had a 2, a 1, 9. It just didn't work out, and you got squeezed out by your fantasy savior. Maybe next time you'll put your faith in the, the GOAT TB12 himself in Indy, rather than trying to uh, get to old uh, uh, Noodle Arm Matt Ryan to give you some fantasy uh, output. Or maybe throw in, I don't know, say Jordy Nelson when I tell you instead of J.J. That would have actually won or Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, my goodness. Mike Davis even. Oh, my gosh. There were so many points to be had on here, and you just let it go away. It's just the saddest thing on earth. Oops. Clumsy, clumsy hippos. But, you know, that's the way the fantasy ball rolls sometimes, and sometimes the fantasy balls roll on top of you instead of next to you. That was weird. Anyways, that concludes our week five review, and up next we're gonna have the week six preview. That's right, week six preview. First up, we're gonna tackle the 
Keeper League. Sorry. We're having a little technical difficulties while I get over to the Keeper League again. And the scoreboard. All right. Thanks for waiting for me on this. All right. First up in the first matchup, we have Turn Your Head and Coughlin versus the Megalodons. And the I'm better than I think I am. Or I'm, I think I'm better than I am bowl. Sorry. Poor, poor joke. My goodness. You're better than this, Jason. Come on. Anyways, first up, we have at quarterback Andy Dalton versus Kirk Cousins. And although I like Andy Dalton, between what Matt Ryan and Andy Dalton did last week, I'm actually going to give the edge to Kirk Cousins as Arizona hasn't really shown much of defense. At the running back position, you got Dalvin Cook and Alfred Morris versus Kareem Hunt and Lamar Miller. Talk about one guy I want to start and one guy I don't want to start. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have Kareem Hunt over Alfred Morris. And Dalvin Cook versus Lamar Miller, they're both kind of gross. Uh, Dalvin Cook's dealing with injury. Lamar Miller's been dealing with injury. They both have decent matchups, but the better talent is clearly Dalvin Cook. Uh, and as Devonta Freeman is probably unlikely to play, you're going to have to roll out with that one. Uh, over across the way, Royce Freeman or Ronald Jones, I mean... Ronald Jones might actually be, or Javoris Allen might be a better play than Lamar Miller, but I don't blame you as the expected volume is going to be a little bit better with Lamar Miller. Uh, but honestly, either way, Kareem Hunt is the win by himself over the other three. At wide receiver, we got maybe playing Brandon Cooks and Stefan Diggs versus Julio Jones and Allen Robinson. Now, Julio has been uh, disappointing. And it's a wonder if he'll ever really actually turn it around as he is just completely allergic to touchdowns. Uh, but that's okay because he does rack up the yards and he does eat the souls of Buccaneers. Uh, his counterpart, Allen Robinson on the Megalodons. This one's a little tougher, although he is the alpha male. He is uh, not leading the team in catches, and he's got a pretty tough matchup in Xavier Howard in Miami. Uh, plus, with the fact that the starting cornerback or er, slot corner is back in Miami, that's actually going to uh, compound the issue a little bit more. We're across the way. Uh, Brandon Cooks, I mean, he's struggling, but should end up clearing the concussion protocol tomorrow and should be good to go uh, against that Denver defense. I think with his speed and his talent, uh, you can't really count him out. And then Stefan Diggs, I mean, what can I say? Arizona is a juicy matchup, and Stefan Diggs is our savior. And, well, I mean, okay, Adam Thielen is more our savior. Uh, Stefan Diggs is our savior number two. Because the Vikings receivers are amazing and you should be lucky to own one instead of trading them away like peanuts. So looking at it though, as much as I love Cooks, I love Diggs and the tough matchup for Allen Robinson. It's that Tampa Bay matchup that I got to lean for advantage Julio Jones. Uh, over at the tight end position, uh, I think... Uzuma has a real shot at being the uh, better option this week against Pittsburgh's defense, but there is a good chance he's not needed. So Kyle Rudolph's the more likely to outscore. He's got the 
probably around the same, maybe slight higher ceiling, but the big thing is that safer floor. So give me Kyle Rudolph all day long. Now, this is where it gets way interesting is you got Devontae Adams in San Francisco. That's the clear-cut winner. But Calvin Ridley's kind of trying to hedge the bets of the Falcons wide receivers. Um, I mean, it's a real tough call. Last week, both Julio and Calvin Ridley were kind of the bad plays as Sanu got all the points. And you got John Brown sitting there against that juicy Tennessee matchup. Uh, there might be a good chance that you end up playing John Brown in that. I actually maybe would prefer it and get a little more uh, coverage on other games. I know it's a juicy matchup, but, I mean, they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit, and relying on two receivers in one game is a little scary prospect. Um, especially, I mean, you already got, in my opinion, the advantage at running back and tight end. So why risk it uh, going up against Devontae Adams? I'd maybe take the shot at the more likely production of the targets of John Brown. Uh, so advantage, obviously, Devontae Adams. Over at the defenses, we got the Browns against the Chargers and Texans against Buffalo. That's an easy win for the Texans, although they've been super disappointing at times and Buffalo has been super surprising at other times. I don't think anyone is going to be delusional to the fact that the Browns can stop that vaunted Chargers pass offense, and uh, that's just an advantage for the Megalodons there. Uh, so kickers don't really matter, and I don't see any other plays that I would prefer on the... Uh, Coughlin side other than you might be forced to play Corey Davis or Crowder or Anunwa if Cook cannot go but other than that I mean you're pretty much set with your best lineup as is um, I like Cousins I like Cook if he does play I like Morris I mean I like the receivers and everything uh, this one it, it comes down to the top guys against the flex and I think I like Julio, and I think I like Rudolph and Kareem Hunt enough that I'm going to give the win to the Megalodons in the upset. So, good luck, Brian. I know my picks have not gone entirely well for you, but we'll see what you can do. Next up, we have Brown and some Scrubs versus the Great One. Uh, now we got a... Uh, a reciprocal matchup here is the 4-1 Brown and Scrubs taking on a 1-4 great one who I believe just found their first win of the season last week. And let's see how it shakes down this week. At the quarterback position, you got Matt Ryan, Noodle Arm himself versus TB12, the GOAT Tom Brady. Both have juicy matchups. Uh... I mean, honestly, I could go either way on this one, but I think that the Atlanta defense is going to do far less and both shootouts, but I'm going to go for a bounce back from Matt Ryan. I think he's motivated. I think he's going to do well, and I think the Achilles Hill is the fact that Tom Brady has a healthy Sony Michelle who is running like a beast, and I think he is less relied upon right now whereas matt ryan is pretty much the entire offense as the run game has not been going well so give me a slight edge to matt ryan but don't sleep on tom brady 
Uh, over at the running back position, we got Christian McCaffrey, CMC himself, and Deion Lewis versus Joe Mixon and Ezekiel Elliott. Although I love Christian McCaffrey this week, there is no denying the fact that a Zeke against Jacksonville is still better than Deion Lewis against Tennessee. And who doesn't love Joe Mixon against that Pittsburgh defense? He has just been completely dominant. So give me the advantage, Mixon and Zeke. Uh, CMC, though, I think he's going to have a pretty strong game. And I'm looking for him to actually turn in his best touchdown total of the season, i.e. he is going to score a touchdown and have yardage. So give me that all day long. At the receiver, you got Antonio Brown and Tyree Kill versus Robert Woods and Jordy Nelson. And although Nelson's been pretty impressive so far, and I think the Seattle defense kind of focuses on uh, Mari Cooper, I don't think that he can compete here. I mean, you can't you can't stop Tyreek. In fact, uh, Bill Belichick can't even plan for him as they cannot simulate him on the practice squad. So they've kind of just hedged their bets, and I think they're going to let him run, and they're going to try to do everything they can to limit him over the top and limit the other weapons on the team. So... Um, over on the other end, you got Robert Woods, and it looked like a good prospect, but I think actually Woods benefits from not being the lone wolf with Cup and Cooks to probably play in this game. So I actually like him as a prospect, but I have him around a 14-15 wide receiver this week. There's just too many juicy matchups for the guys that would maybe be competing with him, so... Uh, and then Jordy Nelson, like we said, he might do something, but I'm not going to bet on it. So advantage Antonio Brown and Tyreek Hill. What do you want me to say about Antonio Brown other than he's Antonio Brown? Over at the tight end, you have the number one tight end in fantasy football. Uh, I mean, it's disputable, but uh, he is looking like it all the time. Travis Kelsey versus Jimmy Graham and Jimmy Graham does have a wonderful favorable matchup and I actually see a scenario where he outproduces Kelsey because New England does everything they can to maybe limit Kelsey but I'm not going to bet against him and I think that Kelsey is going to end up getting around eight or nine catches whether he finds the end zone or not that is the bigger question but the fact is Jimmy Graham might find the end zone but he's going to find it with probably 40 or less yards so give me Travis Kelsey all day long and then we come to the flex which is probably the most disgusting flex I've ever seen look at that he's making me cry that's right as of right now we have injured Adrian Peterson going up against John Ross oh that is just disgusting uh, I mean, Nelson Aguilar might have been better, but you missed that opportunity. I know you got Marlon Mack on against the Jets set to start, but how can you trust him first week back again? Uh, so the big question is, do you want to take the gamble on Amari Cooper over him or Ryan Grant with all them targets? And honestly, I really don't want to, but I think you're going to have to. I don't trust Peterson. I think both those guys with a half PPR uh, setup, will probably score over him. Ryan Grant is the more assured one, but lacks the ceiling, of course. Over on the other side with uh, John Ross, you're just hoping for that big play, 
and honestly you only have one other option and I actually prefer it by a long shot with George Kittle that's right I would play two tight ends and then after this week maybe try moving one of them because you have two top five tight ends and you don't really want to flex one of them every single week especially when Leonard Fournette finally comes back so after that you got defense and it's Vikings versus Packers both juicy matchups I'm looking for the Vikings to actually bounce back quite a bit so give me the advantage with the Vikings oh sorry and at the flex I give the advantage to George Kittle either way I like him better than anyone option on Brown and some scrubs sorry about that so over again like I was saying the Vikings I think they return to form a little bit more even though they're still missing Everson Griffin and a couple other pieces are banged up but the Packers aren't that great and we've already proven that the San Francisco 49ers somehow still continue to move the ball even with C.J. Beathard. So I look at them having a good, decent game, but not quite as good as the Vikings unless they happen to luck into a touchdown. Uh, and then again, kickers don't matter, but no one's as good as Justin Tucker. So I guess give me him for the uh, advantage. So looking at it with uh, Matt Ryan and Brady being super even, this is really going to come down to... Uh, basically the receivers versus the running backs and that is a tough one uh, I do love Antonio Brown I do love Hill but man Kelsey is something that would match up to Hill pretty well and the fact is although Brady's a little downgrade man those running backs are great the tight ends great and the defense is a little better and I have faith that you probably end up putting in Kittle because no one wants to play John Ross no matter how much you want to make him a thing. Stop trying to make him a thing. Uh, so I'm going to give the advantage to the great one to get a narrow victory that could go either way. But this is, I guess, what would be my almost upset of the week. Uh, but I still expect you to pull out the win. Next up, we have Carpe Victoria versus the Scranton Stranglers. At the quarterback position, you have one of the greats of all time, Aaron Rodgers versus Big Ben Roethlisberger on the road. So that would be more like Sucklisberger. Um, advantage Aaron Rodgers, although he probably doesn't have to do a ton. I think they finally lean on Aaron Jones a little more. Give me the efficiency of Aaron Rodgers and give me the fact that he's just a better quarterback no matter the scenario. And Cincinnati's D's looking a little scarier now that they got perfect back and they got a healthy uh, secondary, a little more healthy, I should say. And Big Ben, he's such a wild card on the road, so that's an easy call for me. Next up, we got David Johnson and Bilal Powell versus Naheem Hines and Chris Thompson. My goodness. No one, no one ever thought you'd be talking about these guys as starters. Uh, opposite in a redraft league or a keeper league other than Dave Johnson and I guess flexual uh, spending with uh, Chris Thompson but let's get through it so Chris Thompson's got Carolina uh, if he plays if he's healthy and Naheem Hines gets the Jets which uh, should be a pretty good matchup I don't expect Marlon Mack to really do much and chances are you're probably going to slot in Tevin Coleman now that uh, Freeman's been out. So I could see him replacing Chris Thompson on that injury. 
Um, over on the other side, you got David Johnson, who's great, but the fact is he's up against Minnesota, and Minnesota is angry. But the saving grace is, especially if Crowell misses, I think Bilal Powell is going to have a good game. They're going to be in a, uh, uh, a dinghy of a boat race where, like, there's duct tape plugging the holes, but somehow the thing's still sort of floating and putting along. And uh, Bilal Powell is going to get some points here. Uh, so the big question is, do you believe in Tevin Coleman or David Johnson more? I know Coleman's not looked great but the matchup's too juicy, and him and Hines, I just like it a little better than Johnson and Powell, so advantage on the running backs for Carpe Victoria. On the receivers, you got Keenan Allen and Demarius Thomas versus OBJ and Tyler Boyd. Uh, Like OBJ and Philly, their secondary's been a little banged up, and as long as Eli doesn't do Eli things, he should be okay, and you know what? Maybe Odell starts at quarterback. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, over on the other, staying with that team on Tyler Boyd, I actually think he's a quite a strong play this week. I think I'm looking for him to bounce back. I know he's been a little disappointing lately, but he is still mostly getting the targets. I think Miami was kind of a an odd underlier, but prior to that, 11 for 100, 6 for 132, and a touchdown. I mean, this guy is gold, and he is killing it. I think he's currently, like, the number 22 receiver right now, so loving him. And you know who I'm not loving? Demarius Thomas. He is not good anymore. He just, he always won on talent, and talent is starting to fade. He just is not as fast as he used to be and not as powerful and explosive explosive as he used to be and although that Rams defense is banged up and Denver is going to probably have to play catch up I don't think it's going to be the tune to the tune of Demarius Thomas giving you those sweet sweet fantasy points but someone that will give you some sweet sweet fantasy points is Keenan Allen in that juicy Cleveland matchup I know their corners are actually pretty decent but playing mostly out of the slot and moving around that whole formation and the trust of Philip Rivers uh, you gotta love him in this one. I think he's finally starting to catch form, and I think it's finally starting to work for him. But with that said, you gotta give the advantage to OBJ and Tyler Boyd. This is just too much talent. Uh, speaking of too much talent that's underwhelming me, let's look at the tight end position, which is Jordan Reed and One Foot Olsen. Old peg leg Greg Olson himself. He's like a pirate out there playing for the Panthers. And I don't trust him this week. But really, you don't have much of a choice as you have no other tight end. And the waiver wire looks like turd doo-doo. On the other side, Jordan Reed gave you a real stinker last week. And it made absolutely no sense only getting two targets against the New Orleans Saints. And it's not like anyone was hyper-targeted. And that's why they just... Alex Smith and the team's game plan looked awful. They came out flat and they didn't know what to do. And the Saints' defense is starting to form or move into form a little bit. And yeah, they haven't faced the best offenses week to week, but I think they're finally starting to turn it down or turn it around a little bit. So with that, I'm expecting Jordan Reed to have a good bounce back because I don't see how they continue to ignore him. And I had called for it before. I'm hoping I see it this time is let's get a vintage Jordan Reed. I'm talking at least 80 yards and at least one touchdown. Show me something, sir. Otherwise, I might have to drop you 
for a lesser guy in one of my other leagues. I know you're feeling me on that. Next up, we have the flex position with Devin S. Scrumptious himself versus Chris Carson. Yes, he can. Oh my gosh, he has been just dynamite. Dynamite. Um, I'm not sure if I actually quite love this play. Uh, on the same team, you got Tyler Lockett, Oakland. Uh, really like him. I know Doug Baldwin was used as a decoy last week, and they expect him to be more involved. I don't know if that happens this week. I still think Lockett has a good chance, especially against that awful, awful Oakland defense. And then another one I really like, we talked about Aaron Rodgers earlier, is Geronimo Allison. Outside of not playing last week because of the concussion, he has only failed to get double digits once, and it was against Minnesota. And he still got 9.4. Just barely, barely missed it by friggin' six yards or one yard and a catch. It's not that big a deal. And I think he's going to give a much safer floor. I think Lockett gives you the better ceiling. But I think Chris Carson's that wild card, man. I'm just waiting for this Seattle run game to just fall apart. And I think because the uh, Oakland... Uh, revenge game for Marshawn Lynch narrative and he might run it down their throats they might have to throw it a little more so I prefer Lockett but I'm not going to blame you for keeping Carson in what do I know I just have a show with only like 20 listeners at most so I'm not really that much of an authority Uh, on the other side you got Devin Funchess uh I'd say he's going to be seeing a lot of Josh Norman, but Josh Norman doesn't really uh, shadow, and I think they're actually worried about DJ Moore's speed a little bit. So I could see him actually pulling in a touchdown and getting around 60 to 70 yards. Uh, But either way, I don't think that would be quite enough. I could see you slotting in Robbie Anderson against Indy. He's so scary. I know he had a monster game, but it was like on three or four targets, which is always super scary. But the fact is, Quincy's not playing out of the slot, and he's not an effective outside receiver. So this is where Robbie can really thrive. The other option you have is Austin Eckler. Um, I personally don't like trusting a guy that barely touches the ball, but man, has he been electric with it. And against Cleveland, I don't see how that would change at this point. Uh, If you have the fortitude, you might want to play him, but I personally couldn't. Uh, I think I would stick with either Funches for the safety or Anderson for the upside. Um, and then I noticed you had Russell Wilson sitting there, and man, he has been uber disappointing. But Oakland is a get-right kind of game, and if they're not able to run it, man, he could do some great things. But the thing is, he he doesn't have that safe floor, so I'm assuming you're going to keep Big Ben in. Uh, Over on the defense, you got the Titans against Baltimore and the Rams versus Denver. And although the Rams are a little banged up, give me the Rams versus Denver. Case Keenum has been awful. Um, They are just not doing enough on offense, and they've been relying a little more on defense that they're not going to be able to stop the Rams. So tee up the Rams for a lot of sacks and a lot of turnovers. Whether this becomes a shootout or not, they're still good for at least five points. Over on the Titans, they're not. Um, This is all going to come down to turnovers and touchdowns because I think Baltimore is the better team, and I think Tennessee's offense is actually going to put them in a negative game script, so they're going to be really fighting short fields with Baltimore's offense. So give me the advantage, Rams, of course, 
And with that, although I do like Tevin Coleman and Hines, um, and Johnson's got the tough matchup, you're pretty much advantage at every other position. So uh, give me that Scranton Stranglers for the win, and Carpe Victoria continues their uh, losing streak fall from grace, going to 2-4. and four. Next up, we got Hot Noonan Butchers versus Popeye's Sailor Men. Now, the perennial or the weekly team bye week is uh, starting to turn it around a little bit. And after a couple of moves and figuring things out, he may just pull out a solid win, bringing him up to two and four. But let's get into it and find out. At the quarterback position, we got Carson Wentz versus Baker Mayfield. And I know everyone's all about the hotness of Baker Mayfield and this amazing upcoming schedule. I still like Carson Wentz better. New New York's defense is just god-awful. And the fact that J.J. is out and they're less likely to have a ground-and-pound kind of runner, I think Carson Wentz is primed to put the team on his back and have one of those vintage 2017 MVP-style games where he is uh, not throwing it a ton, but highly, highly efficient and gets it down to the tune of at least two or three touchdowns and high 200 yards with a couple yards on the ground. Um, Baker, Chargers, not loving it. I think the Chargers are better defense than they've shown, even though they're missing Bosa. I think the rookie mistakes will come, and the lack of weapons outside of Landry and a pretty one-dimensional running game. Uh, I don't think Baker has much of a ceiling until he gets to the really bad matchups, or really good matchups for him, bad defenses. So, advantage Carson Wentz. Uh, but that's all right, because Popeye Sailorman gets the advantage at running back. No surprise here. Sony Michelle going to eat in Kansas City. Todd Gurley going to eat your soul everywhere. Uh, versus Ty Montgomery and Wendell Smallwood. Uh, Smallwood might have a chance. Uh, it depends how limited Corey Clement is. If Clement's out, I think that Smallwood probably ranges around a low double-digit score at best. And if Clement is doing fine, or at least better than what is expected, then he's going to register like mid to low single digits, and you're not going to be happy about it. Uh, but what are your options? I mean, you could play, I guess, Duke Johnson and hope that they need to use him in the passing game more, or Devontae Booker, and they continue to use him in the passing game for whatever god-awful reason. So... That's just the way it rolls sometimes. Over the wide receiver position, uh, you got DeAndre Hopkins and Juju Smith-Schuster versus Adam Thielen and Will Fuller. Now, Adam Thielen is the number one receiver in the league, and that is just bananas. But I think he's going to continue this and end up probably top six this year. He's going to be this year's Michael Thomas, but with a few more touchdowns than he had last year. Um, and Will Fuller, I mean, if he's right and he's healthy, he's a big play away from just giving you a monster game, but he's still, he's not quite back to consistency because Kiki Kuti's, uh, 
emergence and the fact that he's just coming from the injury. On the other end, you got DeAndre Hopkins, the best receiver in Houston, and maybe in the league up with a star is born Juju Smith-Schuster in that Cincinnati game. I think that Cincinnati's going to pay as much attention to Brown as they can, but Schuster will still get his looks from the defense. And although I am eh on him, the fact that Hopkins has that favorable matchup, um, I still think the talent of Schuster and Hopkins combined is going to win out with not knowing what Fuller is right now. And although I love Adam Thielen, uh, I'm not going to put it on his back alone. So advantage, hot Noonan Butchers at the receiver position. At tight end, you got Jared Cook. Is he finally toast? Versus Trey, I've disappointed you, Burton. Uh, I think this is a more get-right game for Burton, although he will see some slot corner coverage. It won't be very often, and he can outrun and outplay the tight end, I mean the linebackers. And uh, it's going to be a matter of the run game and the offensive line gives Mitch Trubisky enough time to not get flustered and start making the stupid plays. And I'm going to give the advantage to Trey Burton because I think Jerry Cook's finally shown what he is, which is a couple of amazing games. Granted, there was more than before uh, other seasons, but he's still just, uh, and he's old, and as the season wears on, it's just going to be rough for him. So advantage Burton. At the flex position, you got Julian Edelman versus Marshawn Lynch. Uh, big revenge game for Lynch. Great matchup for Edelman. This is really a toss-up. Uh, I think the Seattle matchup's actually a little tougher, and I think they don't want to have him run all over him. And I think they have the personnel to play the pass game halfway decently. So I'd probably give a slight edge to Julian Edelman, but I'm not super crazy about it. I think he is going to continue to be what he is, which is about a 5-8 to eight catch range, probably nestled in the 6-7 to seven, uh, area, and good for about 60-80 to 80 yards. Okay numbers, and if he gets a touchdown, you're going to be happy, but he's far less likely to get a touchdown. Uh, so give me advantage... Edelman, but not by a ton. I just think he's a little bit safer of a play. Uh, defense, I like the Jacksonville Jaguars much better than the Arizona Cardinals against Minnesota, and unless you change that quick, I don't see it. Oh, I just realized you got James White against Kansas City. You may not play Marshawn Lynch. If you doubled up with the New England running backs, I would be totally fine with it. And it might be a little riskier, barely, but the upside, I think, is a little more likely to hit as well. So I could see that. Or Josh Gordon. My goodness, there are some good options on Popeye's bench. Uh, I don't recommend Josh Gordon. He doesn't get enough snaps, but, man, I'm pretty sure he's going to get touchdown on his two to three catches. Uh, on the other side, I don't really see another option I love as far as a flex, and I don't see why you'd want to because Edelman is fantastic. But back to the defenses, uh, Jaguars win, no question. And as I look at it, if White or Gordon slots in there, I don't know if it changes my mind a ton, but uh, I think it's the running backs win this. As much as I want to give it to Wentz and the receivers, I think that you 
you got the tight end, but the big thing is you got Gurley and Michelle, and maybe James White or Marshawn. I mean, just forget about it. Uh, you might be better off, though, just benching the Cardinals' D. I think this is going to be a little closer than people think, and it's going to be a narrow victory, but it's going to Popeye's Sailormen for the win. Over on the next matchup, we got SC Honkers versus Unja and France. That's right. Battle of the three and two teams. We got the Brits versus the French. Uh, I just assume that Brian is British because he loves soccer so much. But, and geese, which is kind of weird, but, you know, gauge their own. So, at the quarterback position, we got Cam Newton versus Patty Jack Mahomes. And... Although I love Cam Newton, I think that Patrick Mahomes has actually uh, suffered a little bit, and I think they want to make a statement, and I think he's going to get closer to that 30-point range that he kind of fell from the last two games. So uh, Cam, though, he's going to be right on his tail. I just like Patrick Mahomes a little bit better because I trust in New England scoring more points than I do Washington. At the running back position, we got Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake versus Carlos Hyde and James Conner. Now, Melvin Gordon is the number one in this, and after that, it's really tough to trust Kenyon Drake, especially with that matchup. Uh, your only other option, though, is either going Tariq Cohen, which I may actually do because Miami doesn't scare me as much, but I do think this is more of a Jordan Howard game. So maybe you get nuts with it and go Alfred Blue and get those receiving points. Uh, on the other side, Carlos Hyde's a strong play, although he can get game scripted out. And there is a chance that if Crowell does end up playing, you slot him in just because the weak matchup. Oh, you know what? And you have Jordan Howard in the flex. So my goodness. Plus, Mike Davis actually wouldn't be a bad play. Either way, though, as I'm looking at it with uh, Kenyon Drake... I'm not loving it, and but I honestly think Connor disappoints again in his supposed potentially one to two left game, or this might be his last game without Le'Veon Bell. I think he's middle of the road against that tough uh, Bengals defense and perfect back. Uh, you know what? Give me advantage SC Honkers, but not by a lot. Uh, that's just assuming between Drake and Tariq Cohen and Alfred Blue, you make a decision that can help the best running back in this matchup. Anyways, <laughs> over at the wide receiver position, we have Sterling Shepard and Alshon Jeffrey versus A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. Uh, I like A.J. Green the best out of all these guys. I think that the pit matchup is huge for him, and they're going to really have to score a lot of points. Uh, but with that said, I think Alshon Jeffries a pretty decent play here. I don't think he's going to score quite as much. But, man, Janoris Jenkins, for as good as he's been playing, he's been playing with bracketed safeties and other t uh, cornerbacks in his, uh, to help his coverage. And I honestly don't think he can play Alshon one-on-one and one-on-one. One, uh, one -on he is going to have to do because Ertz is going to eat up that middle of the field. And they'll probably use Aguilar to try to stretch from the slot as well. So I really don't see Alshon getting cover, or Janoris Jenkins getting coverage help from uh, 
from his uh, fellow backs to cover Alshon. So, decent game. Uh, Sterling Shepard, though, I'm not really in love with him this week. Although, Philly's defense has been giving some stuff up. Uh, lately, I think that he has been okay. Uh, better with Evan Ingram being out, but I just don't see him getting the work. I think they're realizing that they can lean more and more on Saquon Barkley, and I think they will. So, not a huge fan of that, but at the other end, Christian Kirk, man, other than possible volume, there is nothing to like about that matchup. So after looking at it, honestly, I might actually give advantage to Alshon and Sterling Shepard over AJ Green because, man, ugh, what are you going to use instead of Christian Kirk? Larry Fitzgerald, Rashad Higgins, Antonio Callaway? This is just pathetic on the wide receiver depth. Just sad. Maybe you should call someone up like a friend of yours that maybe has a little bit of depth, even though some of it's banged up, and maybe we can make a deal. And I don't know. Get me a better tight end than what I have. Ugh. Anyways, moving on. At the flex position, or sorry, at the tight end position, we got Gronk versus Bray. And although there is a chance Bray outscores him because of what Gronk's been doing, that KC matchup's too juicy, and I think they really want to get him going, so give me advantage. Gronkowski. Uh, but I see Brait doing very well. I think him and James have a good rapport. And the person I'm actually most worried about, but I'm going to have to put a little faith in this week, is Deshaun Jackson. Uh, him and and uh, Winston were not on the same page, and I'm hoping they can get back to that. but Or they can get on the same page, not really back to it, because they've never been there. But moving on, uh, at the flex position, we got Emmanuel Sanders versus Jordan Howard, uh, this is an easy one for me. I think Sanders can get tons of volume. I don't know exactly what he does with it. And I'd rather have Jordan Howard in a, bat, a bounce back game that I think they just run it down Miami's throats because they're a little worried about the pass defense. So advantage Jordan Howard. At defense, though, I actually like the Dolphins better than the Patriots because, my God, Casey is just scary. This isn't a great week for streamers, so unless you decide to drop the Patriots, uh, advantage Dolphins. Uh, but looking down, I do like the receivers. I like the running backs, receivers, and uh, that's about it. I'm going to give advantage to Axel. Uh, although I think that the receiver matchup favors SC Honkers, I think Axel pretty much wins. I guess and the running backs, but based on just one guy, I think Axel ends up winning this on the back of uh, Mahomes, Green, Gronk, and Howard. So uh, that's my prediction, and we'll see how it turns out. Next up, we have the matchup of the week in the Keeper League. Finkel is Einhorn versus Macho Man Fred Savage. So, finally, I've returned to form, and you should all fear me. So, starting with the quarterback position, we have Jameis, famous Jameis himself, Jameis Winston in Atlanta versus Andrew Luck at the Jets. I think this is pretty much a coin flip with a chance that Jameis does a little more on yardage-wise because he has zero running options, really. Whereas Luck has at least some Wilkins, some Mac, and Hines can run a couple of times. 
and I think it caps it. Plus, he's out. T.Y. Hilton, unfortunately. So, that's an easy one. Uh, I'll give a slight edge to Jameis, but not by a lot. Uh, the running back position, we got Saquon Barkley and Aaron Jones versus T.J. Yeldon and Philip Lindsay. Advantage, Saquon Barkley over everyone. He is amazing. I think he is just continuing to get better, and I think anyone that gave up stalwarts like Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley or Zeke to get a piece of this guy was a fantasy genius, and you should always listen to him. Uh, he's going to be probably top three running back this week. Uh, the matchup is not the greatest, but what we've proven is Saquon does more in the pass game than he does in the run game, and I see him just catching at least 10 balls and just racking up tons of yards on these plays. The guy is superhuman. Uh, next to him, we got Aaron Jones in San Fran er, against San Francisco. Not loving the volume, but loving the opportunity, and I think this is going to be one of those risky plays that cashes in well and plays off. So, good play on it, but being forced into it because Matt Parada is injured and Ingram is already on a bye week and dead to me. At the other side, we got Philip Lindsay, who, like Austin Eckler, is doing a lot with a little, although he is getting a little more work than Eckler. But not a great matchup with the Rams, but he won't be phased out as the mostly pass-catching back when Booker's not in, I guess. Um, next him, though, TJ Yeldon, workhorse. Dallas is a little bit of a tough defense, though, and they're going to probably do more through the air, but he's already proven he is very valuable in the air, and he gets the Bortles percentage on completion up, so... That's always working for him, but either way, Saquon Barkley makes this an advantage macho man for the second time. At receiver, we got Jarvis Landry and Deshaun Jackson versus Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, let's actually tackle this with the flex and throw in some new and cup. Um, I mean, obviously, Cup is phenomenal, and I love him, and Evans is a phenomenal play. Godwin, not so much, but the fact is you're capitalizing on most of the pass offense from famous Jameis, so you can't really go wrong with that. And I mean, what are you going to do? Go with D.D. Westbrook or D.J. Moore or put in Alex Collins? No. So this is pretty much how it's going to be. On my side is the tougher decision because with T.Y. Hilton out, I'm having to slot in Djax or Sanu or and one of them could come out for Sammy Watkins I really love Watkins matchup and I think he's gonna do some great things and I really want to play him in the way that I really wanted to play Sanu last week and it paid off greatly but my goodness I have great matchups across the board and it's so tough to choose can we just get an extra flex or a third wide receiver for a one week guys come on uh I mean, but at the end of the day, it's Mike Evans and Cooper Cup. I give them the advantage, but I'm actually not loving it. I think my depth and I think my boom. Basically, if I boom, I outscore uh, Dan on the receiver end and flex. But if I don't boom, then he just makes me look silly. So, I mean, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Hopefully, I make the right decisions. Uh, but I'll give advantage Dan on the receivers and flex. Just by the sheer fact that two of his guys are just phenomenal. Uh, 
At the tight end position, we have Eric Ebron versus Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is better, but man, could Ebron outscore him? Who knows, coin flip, but advantage Zach Ertz. And at the defense, man, I love my Ravens matchup with Tennessee, but gosh, the Bears against Miami, that is huge. Huge, huge, huge. Oh, man, and then kickers don't matter. This really comes down to the the defenses and the quarterbacks, honestly. Although my running backs are better, I think the safety of his receivers and his tight end are a little better. Oh, I'm going to give me the advantage, but not by a lot. I think this is going to be the closest fought game of the week. And everyone is going to be just biting their nails with uh, anticipation to see how this one turns out. Especially depending on how I go with my lineup. I know you're all excited because... All you do is live to uh, let me tell you what to do or listen to my tasty morsels of fantasy advice. And that wraps up the Keeper League. Moving on, we're going to head into the Dynasty Forecast. first matchup we have this means war versus coming in at quarterback we have aaron Rodgers and alex smith versus jared goff and kirk cousins all right we already know my feelings on aaron Rodgers, and kirk cousins gonna do some work against that arizona defense Let's talk your other starters, boys. Alex Smith is disappointing, and I am not feeling great about him. I'm actually considering that maybe you should, or I'm going to tell you, maybe you should think about playing either Derek Carr, which I know is super scary because that defense is playing pretty decent, or, dare I say, C.J. Beathard. I know, it's crazy. What am I thinking? Well, the fact is he's actually put up 17.8 and 20.7 points in his first two weeks as a starter, and they're going to have to put up points. Guess what? Your guy, Alex Smith, hasn't even cracked 20 points yet. C.J. Beathard actually has more upside than Alex Smith, believe it or not. And over on the Derek Carr side, yeah, he gives you some stinkers, but man, he's had a 31-point game this week. There is upside potential, and you may need it, sir. I mean, maybe not against the 55s, but for tiebreaker purposes, yeah. And then on the other side, I get it. Jared Goff is Jared Garf is great. And he's had some strong games, but he also had some clunkers. And honestly, Denver is going to get beat in the run game, not the pass game as much. And with the questionable tags on two of his top receivers, I mean, I'd rather play Carson once in New York by a long shot. And if you don't do that, at least play Baker Mayfield. I think both of them are safer, and I think Jared Goff's going to give you something in the range of like... 15 to 17 fantasy points and i know baker hasn't really done much with his opportunities yet but against a tough baltimore d he did do better at 18 points and chargers don't scare me enough he's finally getting a little comfortable they're opening up the playbook a little more and i think he's a better option but trust me play carson Wentz. uh 
So, but between that though, I'm going to give the advantage to probably the 55s. I mean, Kirk Cousins is great, Aaron Rodgers great. Um, I don't think you're going to sit Alex Smith and even if you don't sit Jared Goff, I like Goff better than Smith. So, man, this is a close one, but I will give advantage to the 55s on it. Uh, where I won't give him the advantage is running back as Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott are taking on Philip Lindsay and Javoris Allen. Did, was Brian part of the draft that everyone else was? Because that is disgusting looking, even for a guy that took eight quarterbacks with his first five picks. I mean, come on. Anyways, we know what Todd Gurley is. We know what Zeke is, even in a tough matchup. And although Lindsey and Allen can have decent games, they are trash compared. Advantage them too. At receiver, this is the more interesting one. Right now you have Sterling Shepard and Sammy Watkins slotted in versus Brandon Cooks and Mike Evans. Not loving this. I love the Sammy Watkins play. I would keep him in because I really want to play him. But man, you got Allen Robinson. The question mark, but still Doug Baldwin. Geronimo Allison, if he if he clears concussion protocol, there is some solid. And you have Jamon Moore. I mean, actually, that's not really a great play because he's like fifth in the line. But you have those three guys. That is, and Robbie Anderson. These are all guys I kind of want to play over Sterling Shepard. I I just don't love him this week. I don't know what it is. Um, over on the other side, you got Brandon Cooks, that if he's healthy, man, he's going to do something even against this defense because he is so blazing fast. And then Mike Evans has the massive, massive, beautiful matchup against Atlanta. Uh, I mean, other than that, you really don't have any options that sound appetizing at the receiver position uh, to put in there. So this comes down to if Sterling Shepard is going to be in there. I like the 55's receivers better if Shepard's in, if you threw in someone like Allen Robinson or Geronimo Allison, then I would actually take the the crazy risk on Sammy Watkins and him uh, to outproduce Cooks and Evans, believe it or not. Uh, at the tight end position, though, there's no question Kelsey is better than Cook in a better matchup with a better talent, a better quarterback, a better pretty much everything other than maybe offensive line but they're playing just plenty fine uh and the game script lends it kelsey for the win at the flex you got carlos hyde and Corey davis another one man i think i'd rather take a flyer on some better guys like robbie anderson or chris thompson if he's healthy or geronimo allison but i get it you want the safety because your opponent's weaker and you feel like uh, you just kind of need to have the safe plays. For me, that's actually Geronimo Allison if he is healthy. The dude's just been lights out for fantasy like we talked about before. And I think he gives you a safe baseline as long as he's clear the concussion protocol. On the other side, Corey Davis not loving the matchup against Jimmy Smith. He's a massive talent and he could beat it. But I think I'd rather take the high upside flyer on someone like Calvin Ridley in that huge over under against Tampa Bay. Uh, we'll see what you do, though. 
At the defensive position, we got the Steelers versus the Packers. I think the Steelers could actually do some stuff against Andy Dalton, but you got to give the advantage to Packers against C.J. Bathard. I know I talked him up a little bit, but come on. There's still going to be mistakes. There's still going to be opportunities. So advantage Packers on that one. And I don't think it's any surprise we're going to take Dan. And this means war for the win. Uh, next up, we have I'm Getting a Chub and the Franchises. In another matchup, we got Mitch Trubisky and Jameis Winston versus Cam Newton and Joe Flacco. Man, you got a huge uh, possibility of a game for Jameis versus the better fantasy talent in Cam Newton. That's a tough one. Uh, I know Cam's a little safer than Jameis, but man, that upside is just sweet and tasty. And the big one is wildcard Mitch Trubisky versus wildcard Joe Flacco. And Flacco's been fantastic for fantasy by his standards, coming in at what, like, middle of the pack but he's doing it consistently decent last week was awful in cleveland but before that he hadn't scored under 15 points in a game prior to that and that's including against a healthier denver team whereas mitch trubisky's coming off of one amazing game after a bunch of crap uh but miami's not the scariest beast and i think they're going to use a lot of those trick plays that somehow count for passing yardage even though it's pretty much a run. Uh, I still like the safety of Flacco, and I like the safety of Newton over Winston, even though I love that upside. I think on upside, Chubb gets the win. On safety, Franchises somehow gets the win. And, my God, I'm doing it. Let's go upside. Advantage Chubb is giving me a little bit of a Chubb here with that quarterback lineup. At running back, we got Aaron Jones and possibly Dalvin Cook. I'm a healthy Dalvin Cook? I don't know. Versus Jordan Howard and Bilal Powell, believe it or not. All my hate on Jordan Howard, I don't care. I don't really believe in the health of Dalvin Cook quite yet. So the question is, who else are you going to play instead of him? Are you going to play Ronald Jones? Uh, I guess you could put in Latavius Murray, but what has he done so far? On the other side, I mean... I think it's a huge bounce back for Jordan Howard. And Bilal Powell, even if he's not alone, is going to be the predominant back against Indy in that weak defense. So advantage franchises. At the receiver position, you got a massive fight, including the flex with OBJ, Tyreek Hill, and Robert Woods versus DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, and Juju Smith-Schuster. This is huge, folks. And at the end of the day, DeAndre's got a little bit easier matchup, although the game script's a little against him. Uh, Tyreek Hill's game script's better. Keenan Allen maybe a little bit better matchup because he won't be planned for as much in the slot. And it's Robert Woods in Denver, Juju in Cincinnati. This is a tough, tough call. I'm going to go with the Frenchies, though. I believe in DeAndre Hopkins. I believe in Keaton Allen. I believe in Juju. I believe in the other guys, but, man, the matchups are a little tougher. Robert Woods could do not much. Tyreek Hill could be kind of phased out by Bill Belichick, and then you're kind of leaning on only a big performance from OBJ. So give me Frenchies on the advantage there. At tight end, give me the advantage to the Viking. I just trust him more. 
Jimmy could have a cheap touchdown, but man, Jimmy could also do pretty much nothing where I love Vikings, and Kyle Rudolph is that fantasy mattress of softness, and he is going to consistently give you double digits to near double digits, so just give me that safety, uh, that safety blanket right there. But like we talked about, advantage bears on the defense. Chargers, a decent defense, but Bears are just the number one. Uh, but with that said, I'm going to go with the safety at quarterback and go with the running back and wide receiver and tight end upside compared. So although I love Jameis and I think Mitch could do big things in a bullshit kind of game script, we're going to go with the Frenchies for the win. And up next we have... Fear the Juice versus Jonesen for some TDs. Now, Jonesen for some TDs is probably reeling after finally getting punched in the mouth by someone that knows how to play fantasy football. Yours truly. Over on the quarterback, we have Andy Dalton and Case Keenum versus Matt Ryan and Tom Brady. No question, we're going to advantage Tom Brady and Matt Ryan. It's rough when Drew Brees is on by and you got to rely on the red pop gun and case i'm the best college quarterback because the most touchdowns in non-divisional one game i he's okay but he's a backup and the rams are just gonna fucking pick him apart whereas matt ryan game script huge tom brady game script huge clear-cut advantage let's move on to the running back you got a pair of new england running backs showing or showing down against each other versus Deion Lewis and TJ Yeldon. That's right, James White. And my fitness consigliere, Michelle, going toe-to-toe, mono-e-mono. And this is a really big one. If New England gets out to the lead early, then it's Michelle's game more than White. If KC gets that lead, it's White's game more than Michelle. It's really tough. We're going to call them a wash because they can both put up in, in each game script but each of them has a little bit more advantage depending on the way things go the big question is who do you believe in between tj yeldon and Dion lewis and i'm sorry baltimore's defense tough and dion has been just so up and down and tennessee's offense has been hard to trust give me tj yeldon against dallas's defense with the backfield pretty much to himself not worried about jamal charles uh, and then that ends up making it advantage Johnson for some TDs. At the wide receiver position, you got Antonio Brown and Will Fuller versus Julio and Emmanuel Sanders. Now, this is where it gets interesting because Julio and Brown are kind of washes. I think Julio is the best receiver on the week because of the, his history against Tampa Bay and his uh, matchup with Tampa Bay, but man, Antonio Brown is doing Antonio Brown things again, and Will Fuller's got the easy matchup in Buffalo, but they might not need him that much, whereas, or against Buffalo, where they might not need him much, whereas Emmanuel Sanders is gonna be needed, so, uh, man, it makes me sad a little bit to say it, but I'm gonna give advantage to Jones for some TDs on the receivers as well. And no surprise, although I love Cameron Braid's matchup and his report with Jameis, we got to give advantage to Zach Ertz. 
Oh, man. So at the flex position, Michael Crabtree filling in while the Kamara is on by. And honestly, I mean, other than a flyer on Paul Richardson, Marlon Mack, Antonio Callaway, you really don't have, or Demarius Thomas, you don't really have much of an option. So Michael Crabtree it is. Uh, Jordy Nelson, though, you do have options as you could throw in Randall Cobb if he ends up being healthy. Uh, Alex Collins, I mean, kind of tough, but you got Mike Davis, uh, running back. I know he's splitting uh, work, but man, I like it. Or, hey, you can get that newly acquired Kenyon Drake. He's a beast. I mean, he just dropped, what, like 21 points last week? Uh, probably not. Anyways, though, I think that Mike Davis and them, better options than Michael Crabtree. Same with Jordy. I like his upside a little better, so slight advantage to you on that. And then Jaguars are a little bit better defense than the Ravens. Both are good matchups. Slight advantage Jaguars, which means advantage Jones for some TDs as he just cleared a path on the advantages this week. Uh, sorry, Mike. You're going to drop to 2-4, and four and... Somehow, Mr. Greenwood is going to move to 5-1 and one because he doesn't play me again. And apparently everyone else wants to give away free points to people. Or free wins to people. So, moving on, we have no country for old players versus the Americans. Coming in at quarterback, we got Patty Jack Mahomes and the sometimes the best in the matchup, Sam Darnold. Versus Blake, the Snake Portals, and Russell Wilson. Oh, this is just ugly and ugly and ugly and beautiful. Um, Russell could do good things, but man, that run game is starting to look real healthy. And I'm not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes against New England. And Sam Darnold having an easy matchup compared to Blake Bortles, believe it or not. So advantage no country for old players there. At running back, you got David Johnson and Kareem Hunt versus Saquon Barkley and LaShawn McCoy. And although I think Saquon is actually potentially the best running back out of the group here, um, I mean, there's no ignoring. It's whether you believe in Shady or David Johnson. And, I mean, honestly, I believe in Shady a little more. Uh, Houston's defense is decent, but I think they're starting to realize what they need to do with him to uh, win so David Johnson I think they're pretty much in Minnesota are going to focus on the run and the shadowing of cornerbacks on the receivers so he's not really going to have a ton of room to run and I think it's more going to be on the back of Patrick Mahomes so uh, advantage the Americans for the running backs at receiver we got Stefan Diggs and Mike Williams versus Tyler Boyd and Jarvis Landry. Uh, man, Stefan Diggs is definitely the best one here, but I actually like the duo of Boyd and Landry better. I think Landry's more involved than Mike Williams, a lot safer than Mike Williams, and doesn't need a touchdown to be relevant. And Boyd, I think, is going to continue to shine. Uh, he is not going to garner the attention that A.J. Green is. And like last week, how it was predicted it's actually going to work out and he's going to have a very good game so advantage the americans at tight end i mean like i said before ebron's going to be good but gronk you got to go gronk 
and then the big one is the flex. You got Joe Mixon versus John Brown. I think John Brown's actually a really strong play, but come on. You can't compete with Joe Mixon. So advantage Mixon. And then finally on the defenses, that's an interesting one with the Titans against Baltimore. Baltimore has not looked the greatest on offense as of late. And Titans have actually been pretty decent, although a lot of it's been matchup-based why they've been decent. So I'm going to go with the advantage Rams because I think Case Keenum's going to get just killed. And he may not even start after this week. So advantage Rams on the defense. And looking at it, quarterbacks, running backs I like the other way, tight end though, and Joe Mixon. I think because of the tight end and the flex and the quarterbacks, I'm going to go with the upset for no, no Country for Old Players, even though I do like Saquon Barkley a lot, and I do like the receiving core a bit. Um, I mean, just looking over real quick, other options with Kiki Kuti maybe, uh, Naheem Hines. These are also players that could get in the flex. Believe it or not, maybe a super high risk, but Jordan Reed. Uh, man, I mean... I don't think any of them are better than John Brown to improve. And on the other end, oh, you got Tevin Coleman. So that just improved the running backs even more. So, yeah, definitely advantage is going to go to no country for old players on the win. And now we have one more, your fantasy dynasty matchup of the week. to call this one oh sorry by the way it's bill belichick puppet master versus team gravity i don't understand how this bill belichick guy keeps getting the uh the matchup of the weeks in the dynasty league but man this team is looking tough even with some strong players on by uh but anyways and some guys not even playing anyways let's look at it this i want to say is a david versus goliath but i mean you would think the goliath is the bill belichick puppet masters but somehow Team Gravelin has just got the advantages this week. And I think it has to do with the fact that Clay keeps trading amazing players to teams and strengthening them for peanuts. So please stop doing that, Clay. But anyways, up at the quarterback position, we got Deshaun Watson and Big Ben Roethlisberger, newly acquired quarterback for one of the best teams ever. Versus Philip Rivers and Andrew Luck. And in a vacuum, I'd say Deshaun Watson and Big Ben are the man. But man, Luck against Jets and Philip Rivers against Cleveland. I got to give the advantage there. There's more safety. There's more garbage time for Andrew Luck somehow. And Big Ben's a little hard to trust on the road. So slight advantage to Team Gravelin on the quarterbacks. At running back, though, you got James Conner and Christian McCaffrey versus Melvin Gordon and Marshawn Lynch. Melvin Gordon is the clear winner on the best running back, but man, the duo of Conner and McCaffrey could be huge, and it's whether you buy into the revenge narrative of Lynch, and I kind of do, and it's scaring me, but I'm going to give a slight advantage to Team Gravelin with that Melvin Gordon-Lynch combo. 
the the double M's. Do you want some M and M's, little boy? Anyways, at receiver with Michael Thomas on a bye, and unfairly only Cameron Meredith on a bye for the opposition. Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for Bill Belichick. I mean, we've already talked about how I like Alshon Jeffrey in his matchup, and we talked about the upside of Deshaun Jackson, but, man, he's playing with Jameis Winston, and we don't know what that's actually going to turn out uh, like. And he's going up against A.J. Green and Adam Thielen, number one receiver and amazing man because he's a Viking and just so handsome. So, I mean, advantage A.J. Green and Adam Thielen. Although the upside of Deshaun Jackson could put Bill Belichick's receivers up there. Um, I mean, that has to come on the back of an amazing game. And there's no way I'm betting against a handsome Viking like Adam Thielen. So, advantage him. Uh, Luckily, I got Vance McDonald. Oh, wait, what's that? He crapped my team last week. And he was blah the week before. But I'm going up against powerhouse tight end Jeff Swaim. This guy can't even spell Swan or Jeff correctly. It's ridiculous. But he's been outscoring Vance McDonald the last two weeks. The only thing going for me is the fact that he's playing Jacksonville. So I will get the advantage to Vance doing the no pants dance. But my goodness, it's not great. And then at the flex position, of course, Devonta Freeman is still injured with a new injury, and I can't play him in the flex against top 10 receiver Devonta Adams. How'd you get him as well? I don't know. You probably traded him for some orange foam peanuts that taste like crap, but Clay keeps eating. And what do I have? Oh, Kenny Galladay. No, he's on a bye too. Dear God, how many players do I have on a bye? The only other option besides Amari Cooper is Alfred Morris, and I'm having a real hard time deciding as I traded away my best flex position for a better quarterback with Bilal Powell going out. So the question is, do I play Cooper or do I play... uh, Sorry, Alfred Morris... And I really don't know because Amari Cooper probably have a bad game, which means he'll probably have a good game. But either way, however I go, Devontae Adams is the clear-cut winner. And this isn't even mentioning the fact that he's benching Cooper Cup, the number two run, uh, receiver in, in the league, and Tyler Lockett. And there's just so much depth on this team, and most of it has to do with the fact that Clay gave him too many starting players. Oh, it's frustrating. Uh, but anyways, moving on to the defense, we got the Eagles against the Giants and Vikings against Arizona. It's probably a close watch, but give me a slight advantage to the Vikings. But you know the way I'm going to pick this one. It's got to go advantage team Gravelin. There's just too many things that I have to overcome this week, and it's not fair, and I don't like it, especially with how good my team should be better than two and three it's ridiculous ridiculous but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes in this fantasy life all right well i think that's gonna wrap it up for us this week thanks for sticking by um little ran a little long sorry about that but uh my recording times are kind of getting limited so i'm kind of having to pack it all into one episode rather than parsing it into two but i know you're loving it and eating it up like zeke eats cereal
imaginary cereal, that is. Uh, but I do appreciate you sticking with me on this one, and good luck to every team in week six, unless you're facing me or I need you to lose. So uh, with that, I'm going to leave you on a song highlighting my favorite player from week five, who uh, not only didn't beat me, but allowed other players that I started to flourish and teams to lose that were relying on him that just makes me so happy and as always uh i'll talk to you guys on sunday through the chat and we'll revisit uh week six next week and see how things turned out so remember as always goonies never say die Mama pajama rolled out of bed and she ran to the police station. When the papa found out, he began to shout and he started the investigation. It's against the law. It was against the law. Oh, what did mama saw? It was against the law. Could mama looked down and spit on the ground every time my name gets mentioned? Papa said, oh, if I get that boy, I'm gonna stick him in a house of detention. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but I don't know where. Goodbye to Rose and the Queen of Corona. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Mama take me away, but the press let the story leak Now when the radical priest come to get me released We is all on the coroner's week And I'm on my way I don't know where I'm going I'm on my way I'm taking my time, but I don't know where Goodbye to Rose, the queen of Corona See me and Julio down by the schoolyard See me and Julio down by the schoolyard See me and Julio down by the schoolyard That's all, folks.